I'm Tom DeSorcy. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. This is Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. Fire investigation is just one more element of firefighting that many may take for granted or not take it at all. Brad Davidson is a um, retired firefighter, fire investigator, author, and is passionate about firefighting and public safety and joins us today from Flin Flon, Manitoba. Brad, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. I'm honored to be on your podcast. I think, uh, well, first off, I'll say uh, maybe a little bit about you. I, I, I like to do a bit of an introduction, but I like the person I talk with to tell me the story and and how did you get involved? I mean, like most of us, you, most of us, I say me anyway, joined this crazy business in the uh, in the early eighties. Uh, tell us the, tell us the story. How did you get involved in fire? My dad was a volunteer firefighter with the city of Flinflon for almost ten years, and so I guess that piqued my interest because uh, I know when I was a kid, uh, we had a major fire on Main Street. A hotel was burning down and. Uh, I think uh, I was only six years old and he uh, he took me for a haircut and I had a front row seat of that fire, so to speak. So between him being uh, on the fire department and uh, me watching that fire as a kid and then uh, we visited the Edmonton airport and uh, my dad's friend was a fire chief at the Edmonton airport. And there again, I got to climb all over the truck and I think it just kind of gets in your blood after a while. Tell me about the the Flin Flon area, and I'm I, I'm honestly I'm sorry I've never been to Flin Flon, and and for those uh, in in our audience, rest of Canada that have never as well, tell us where and and uh, and about about Flin Flon. Well, Flin Flon's a border town. We're right on the Manitoba Saskatchewan border, and we're about six hundred miles north of Winnipeg. That created some unique challenges, maybe the same as other departments, and maybe not. As I was mentioning, uh, I was on this, the Flint Flon Fire Department for approximately 10 years uh, as a single man. And I lived lived at the fire hall. And then after approximately 10 years, I was a member of both the industrial uh, department where I worked and the Flint Flon. And later I joined the industrial department full, full time as a protection officer, which involved a crossover of firefighting and fire sprinkler testing and that kind of thing. I want to, I want to delve more into the industrial side, but to the, to the municipal side of things. I mean, you say you lived in the fire hall. I mean, this was a volunteer department. You just happened to, that was your accommodation was that was at the fire hall, was it? That's right. Living at the fire hall. And I think it's a good model for uh, a lot of stations across Canada. You know, it might, it could solve a lot of potential problems with the membership and whatnot, but yeah, we lived there. When I wasn't working at the mine, I lived at the fire hall and our duty was to be there. And, and when the call come in, we responded with the trucks. For the industrial side of things about Flin Flon. And again, some of the challenges of that community. I mean, every community has its own risks and vulnerabilities. What about some of the uh, the potential risks and such that uh, Flin Flon faced then and, and maybe faces now to, that might be different? Like a lot of communities in, uh, across Canada and the States, we did have a rail line going through our town. And uh, along that uh, rail line was uh, a bulk storage of uh, propane that got delivered on tank cars. 
So there was that. And the rail line also carried uh, mining chemicals through town on the way to the mining site. Talking about the industrial side, and and uh, again, the topic today is is really about fire investigations and getting a bit more background on on what you did in, from the industrial side of things. I don't think a lot of people understand the differences between a municipal department and an industrial department where you're focusing primarily on one risk, or is that, uh, is that what am I wrong in saying that? On the Flin Flon municipal side, like we... Our primary response was residential fires. And uh, I, I phrase it this way. When I left the municipal to go to industrial, I was jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Because, uh, you know, although we had uh, quite a few fatal fires when on the municipal side, the call certainly got more intense. And because of the mining and smelting processes, there were so many more uh, variables like uh and chemicals just a myriad of chemicals and uh you you were dealing with molten metal runaways and uh you have high pressure airlines high pressure steam lines bulk oxygen uh sulfuric acid uh bulk storage and usage of propane like an 18,000 gallon tank wasn't uncommon so we had a lot of calls that there were some major risks that you had to anticipate while I was serving. We responded to about a dozen explosions there on the industrial side. Now, the, in, the industry, and we should be clear, the industry was was what? Mining and smelting, uh, copper and zinc primarily. And and how big uh, of a facility, how big of, a, uh, of an industry in terms of how big of a mine? I mean, how many people involved? In the 80s, I would say it was like 21, 2200 employees. The mine had a very large footprint because of the different facilities that did different processes, and we had a very large tailings pond. So it had a very big footprint, and each each building could have four or five sprinkler systems. Uh, uh, we had our own diesel fire pump that su- supplied uh, the fire protection systems, including the hydrants, sprinklers, etc. So how did you get your introduction into fire investigating? Well, like I was saying, D- Dave Hodges uh, kind of set the hook. Uh, used to be the, used to be, used to be the, uh, the fire, uh, rather the fire commissioner in British Columbia at one point. That's right. I think he was, he was assistant fire commissioner when he was in Manitoba here. And I was just super interested in his presentation. And I thought, you know, someday, I'm not sure how, I'm, I'm going to get involved with fire investigation. And it took me a long time, Tom. Because uh, on the Manitoba side, I'd have to travel to uh, Brandon, I think it was, uh, four or five different times. And after I started a family, that was just about impossible to do. Eventually, I learned of a course from the Fire Chiefs Fire Prevention Officers Association in BC. So I thought, well, here's my, here's my intro. Here's my chance. I only had to study one set of curriculum. But I studied three sets of curriculum to make sure that when I traveled out to uh, Langley for my practical and theory exam, that I nailed it. And I thought it was important because the easiest fire to fight is the one that we prevent from happening, right? And we can learn from the fires that that have happened in the past. A lot of provinces, uh, at least in British Columbia that I know of, you know, mandate the, the need mandate and fire inspections or fire, sorry, fire investigations. And uh, to, to a lot of small departments, I don't think, I don't think they can do them. I don't think they're getting done. What, what's your opinion? Are, are, are 
are there fire investigations that are not being done simply because they don't have the resources to do them or the knowledge? That's a tough one. I can't speak for the majority of departments. I know that fire investigation is a critical piece. And just as a note of interest, I was also a fire inspector. So not only did I uh, at times investigate the fire, but to correct it after, that's when I went back. I would go back to the codes and try work with uh, different departments to make the changes that were required. I wasn't always successful, but, you know, sometimes we do something because it was important to me when I went to the mining site that everybody that come on shift when I was working left in one piece, just same as I. For a while, we were having a fatality every 18 months. Uh, in our busiest year, we probably had uh, several hundred fires, but only 72 made it on official reports. And that was also the year that we had 1,800 industrial accidents. So we needed a whole culture change. The departments that engage in fire investigations, and I mean, I was always taught that, you know, fire investigating can be very simple in terms of trying to locate cause and, and, and origin. But for departments, I mean, training in fire investigation is important as a firefighter. I, I found that when you learned about fire investigation, you were trained in how to, I guess, extinguish the fire in a different way, how to attack the fire, how to not cause damage and wreck a scene, if you will. If you right. had that knowledge of as a fire investigator, what does it do as a firefighter when you're in suppression? Well, I think the more aware you are of fire investigation, the less likely you are to create unnecessary damage. And uh, the more aware you are of fire investigation, uh, the, mo the more your eyes are opened as to uh, what would be considered normal and what would be considered not normal. Firefighters, especially now, really need to focus more on fire investigation because it's a different culture now and there's different construction and you could find say a, a meth lab or something and somebody could be cooking because of of, of that kind of uh, conduct and or somebody could be making you know explosives or something and if you don't if you're not sure you don't want to overlook something like that and you want to have the knowledge so that you don't put yourself in danger either and then if it's investigated as much as can be done, it actually enhances the safety because if you recognize how the fires are starting or if there's a series of fires that are happening in your municipality or area, there may eventually may be a pattern. I think that a lot of departments soon learn that once you start to at least take some training in fire investigation, that fire investigation doesn't mean you always find out what caused the fire. At least you are doing and taking the steps needed to try and find out. But again, it's, it's part of fire investigation is saying, we don't know how it started. That, that's, a, that's a valid response. That's a possibility. And, and I'd like to also add that, you know, investigating a fire gives you a bit of a backgrounder for your department, say, on your next call. I know we've been talking about intermodal fires. Shared, like it, it's in the book as well, but how I was on bereavement leave and I got a call from my manager to, to go to Snow Lake to investigate a construction fire. I was totally unaware of, of what had happened there. And I, I did travel to a mine near Snow Lake to investigate this construction fire. There was a provincial inspector there that was really upset how the firefighter didn't really do anything. And he, he had a list of uh, grievances 
that didn't make any sense to me. But the people that aren't educated on the fire and fire investigation side, you know, they might have tried to explain or or not the actions of the fire department. In that particular case, fire department didn't pump any water because the building was on the ground. And that was one of his grievances that this department showed up and didn't pump any water. And I went back to Chief Bruno's quote, you risk a lot to save a lot, you risk some to save what you can, and you don't risk anything at all for what's already lost. So this department, by pumping water at that scene, would have created hazards and created risks for themselves. So I defended the fire department in my investigation. It was during that time of the investigation that I learned of an intermodal fire back in Flin Flon at the mine. And this had been uh, near and dear to me because I studied the line of duty death of uh, Captain Daniel Botkin. So when I heard uh, intermodal fire, the intermodal container was in a precarious location because it was next to a facility that produced uh, massive amounts of hydrogen gas. And I talked to the EIC when I got back to Flin Flon and I, I asked him how that went down. And he was, he was saying, well, the owner of the container reported there's no hazardous materials inside. And uh, then he went down to tell me, but there was hazardous materials inside. So I investigated that one, the first opportunity I had. And I found a 20-pound uh, propane tank that had the pressure relief valve operating. It was sitting next to a pallet of organic oxides. So the two young men that went interior attack on this intermodal container actually had a near miss. It's actually a miracle that that container didn't explode and uh, injure or kill the firefighters that responded there. So I was pretty upset that we've already had a line of duty death in BC and we had one blow up like that in Saanich. And now these two uh, young men that went to attack this fire on the interior, that they were young, young men and they were brothers. And uh, when I told them the findings of my investigation, you could see the blood run out of their face. They were in shock because they had no idea. It's a testament, as you say, to the to the incident in in British Columbia uh, and, and involving the intermodal container and what a fire investigation can lead to in the prevention. Uh, there are a lot of changes have been done, uh, largely in part to the investigation in Enderby, BC, that, uh, that uh, led to some of the changes in some of the regulations and such. So it just, again, big, shows to the importance as to a fire investigation creating change uh, to say, to protect the public, protect firefighters as well. Absolutely. And in, in the case in this in intermodal container fire that I investigated, I made uh, strong recommendations and used part of the BC Fire Chief's recommendations to uh, make these containers safe. But what I found later was that same construction company that had the intermodal container fire, this time moved the, the intermodal container right up against the building under uh, air intake that was supplied with propane. And they lined the intermodal container with plywood, make it e making it even more airtight and heating the barrels of chemicals that were flammable with an electric heater with a shutoff, uh, not easily accessible. We had a near miss and, and that company didn't respond very well to the recommendations and actually contributed to a more severe hazard. I think you're correct in saying that, uh, you know, the, the lives that you save, you know, from fire prevention uh, certainly come out of fire investigation. Is, is it easy? And I think those that are tuned in to, to think about their expanding their fire investigation capacity, 
Is it hard for a small, a small volunteer department to, to do that expansion of getting more involved in fire investigating? I don't think so, Tom. I think it was hard when I was trying to get involved because now we have distance education. There's a lot more courses available. I know I uh, served for a couple of years as regional director of the Canadian Association of Fire Investigators, and that opportunity was created because I pursued uh, lifelong education, and part of that was fire investigation. But uh, my last training was actually in Dallas, Texas. But now you can go online or you could join up as a member to the Canadian Association of Fire Investigators and uh, organizations like that and others have webinars. They have information resources available. So I think it's actually easier now for firefighters to uh, get their foot in the door, so to speak. Is is it, I, I guess, I, I, you probably haven't investigated a fire for, for a couple of years, I think, safe to say. Uh, <laughs> is it, it must be different. You know, we talk about fires burn differently today with construction, uh, new construction, new materials and furnishings, etc. It must be difficult today more so than it was to investigate, say, a simple residential structure fire. Well, yes, certainly it is, because in the early years when I was firefighting, it was legacy construction where, you know, your floors were uh, made up of plywood and spruce and uh, sometimes fir you know, that would could uh, be compromised due to fire and or water damage. And the floors might sag when you go in as a team to attack. But today's lightweight construction is a different animal, again, because those floors are more apt to fail, just simply fail when they're damaged by the water and fire. So that's why we're hearing about firefighters ending up in the basements so often now. Furthermore, we have all these uh, comfy coaches and uh, supersized lazy boys, right? And uh, they're full of fire retardants that do nothing to uh, retard any fire, but they, they are certainly a major contributor to the toxic smoke uh, that firefighters in, encounter. And your uh, Lazy Boy and your Super Sofa have a fuel equivalent to five gallons of gas. So as a result, they have a high fuel load, it's called in the fire world, and a high heat release rate. So... Fires uh, for firefighters today are much more fuel involved, which decreases the time of escape for occupants and contributes to a much hotter, much more toxic fire when firefighters arrive. That uh, fire retardant is a great contributor of the toxicity of the fire. I think once people, once departments get involved in investigations, uh, once the firefighters learn more, delve more into investigations, it certainly helps you as a firefighter. I think it's uh, it's it's fire tells a story, and it's very fascinating to to see that story unfold when you start to uh, unravel uh, what took place or what potentially took place. Uh, as well, I think the idea once you show the firefighters that a fire investigation goes more goes farther than actually just telling the story of the fire, it does help in prevention and 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 life safety for the next one. Yes, true. And fire investigation can be simple. However, uh, the more involved you get, you realize it's it's a science-based investigation now. You can't rely on your years of experience to say, well, I think this happened because I've been in the department for 10 years and I've seen this before. If that investigation goes anywhere after that, it's not going to be good because uh, that's just not accepted anymore. I appreciate your insight uh, today on on fire investigations and uh, and certainly your history. I think that 
uh, you know, uh, if, if, if someone is, is spawned on by uh, saying, I want to get involved and more involved in this uh, side of the fire business, uh, then we've, we've done our job today. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.